Welcome to All Talk with Hello Sport on SEN. Thanks to Neds. Whatever you bet on, take it to the Neds level. You win some, you lose more. What is up, hunters and dribblers? This episode of All Talk is brought to you by Dr. V, Australia's first and best all-natural energy drink. That's right, Tom. If you want to detox and supercharge your physical and mental health, we'll do it with Dr. V, and they're 100% natural energy drinks. It's the way to go. Back for another week of dribbling yarn with some of the best and brightest people, minds. Characters. Characters. Thank you, Edward. Individuals, Individuals humans, humans, homo sapiens. Yep. And this week, puns and dribblers. Earthlings. Earthlings. Um, we have the great pleasure of joining on the couches, Mark Boris, uh, the incomparable mm. Mark Boris. The unsinkable. The unsinkable Mark Boris. The people's champion. Yeah. It's been commonly referred to as the man of the people. Yeah. The punter's champion. Yeah. Punch bowl kid, turned good, turned great. Yeah. Turned wildly successful. Yeah. He's got his own podcast now. He's a mentor to the, to the masses. And it was good to sit down and chew his ear off, Tom, and, and see how... It, his mind ticks. Correct. Straight Talk and The Mentor is two podcasts. We have been on one of them. Uh, feel free to go check it out. But he has scaled the heights of business in this country. He started Wizard Home Loans. You may remember uh, the 2005 State of Origin series. Uh, and if you don't, then go read a book. Joey John's uh, Game 2, greatest game of a football person ever played. Wizard Home Loans, bang, right on the front. Among other things, also on the Roosters board, but just a weapon who's done weapon things. Weapon things. So please enjoy, Mark Burris. Have you? What have you always been into fights? Is it something you got into? Like, because you're still, you're still boxing. We were saying before because you were in here doing a potty with James Graham, and I think the boys were saying that when you came in, you're like, oh, I've just broken a rib doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I have you got into all this? Uh, I've always been a fighter. I've, 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 I've fought as an amateur for a long, long time. Oh, like, really? Most of my life. Yeah, boxing. That is. Yeah. How many fights, Jack? Uh, well, I've had. At least twenty. Oh, right. yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've uh, and I've, then I started fighting again because I'm the New South Wales um, ambassador for New South Wales Police Boxing. So oh. I we we put the cops through, um, you know, train them up and get them, match them up and put them a fight night on. And, and up until two years ago or three years ago, I fought on every event. Really? <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. So like, how long ago? A couple of years yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah. I had my last fight about three years ago. So I fought, oh fought coppers. So uh, my last fight was with uh, Gary Jubilant, who runs... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The podcast. Yeah, yeah. Catching Catch Killers. Yeah, Catching yeah, Killers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he won on points, actually. That was the only time that... <laughs> you I, I didn't lose... I never lost a fight in those in those fights. Jubes the only bloke who beat me. And he got me on a... He, he got he put a real good right hand on me. <laughs> and uh and, and he And he hit me right in the chin. He didn't knock me out, but they made me, they gave me a standing eight. Um, <laughs> uh, but to be honest with you, I think it was in the second round, but... Um, I don't remember anything else after that. I mean, I, I kept fighting. I didn't yeah. stop fighting, but I kept fighting right through. But uh, I saw. Sort of remember, um, I remember because Fennick was in my corner. It was no, no, Garth Wood was in my corner. Um, right. But I've had Johnny Lewis in my corner and all sorts of people. That's yeah, wild. yeah. I one, one night I fought a, a copper and, and this is uh, quickly uh, fought a copper and um, he was the um, commissioner's staff. He was the, the guy looks after the commissioner. Big tall guy, good guy, and. Um, and he big rangy guy anyway in the first round and uh, Johnny Lewis is in my corner and um, got, um, the the guy come at me pretty hard first round like so he's throwing throwing about me in punches because I'm a slow starter in the fight because I'm, I'm much older than all these guys they're all younger than me so 
So it just takes a bit to warm up. And uh, so I was like, I'll just stand in the corner, cop to see if he hurts, and I'll feel his punches. And I was, uh, he, but he hit me about 20 times. So <laughs> it didn't really hurt me that much. Um, anyway, I got into the corner. John Lewis said, Listen, son. He said, If you don't go and knock him out, you're f- <laughs> you're going to lose this fight. So I, I went and I knocked him out and uh, I, I hit him with the left. The guy fell, fell on the ground. And, um, but on the way down, I was just like, Welcome to All Talk with Hello Sport on SEN. Thanks to Neds. Whatever you bet on, take it to the Neds level. You win some, you lose more. He's been along legs, he get up, all over the joint. And, uh, but he was filthy on the arm for um, hitting him back of the head. He was calling out foul. And, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but, so, but I love doing that, but I don't do it anymore because uh, and that's why I was on Jimmy's podcast, um, Jimmy Graham's podcast, because mm. we were talking about concussion. Yes. And Jimmy and I are on the uh, uh, the we're on the Australian chapter of a, a thing called Concussion Legacy, and um, that is currently chaired by the uh, uh, Brain Bank here in New South Wales at the RPA Royal Prince Alfred Hospital, and. Um, and, and the head of this thing is a guy called Chris Nowinski, the uh, you know well-known NFL player, well-known uh, fake wrestler, mm. who ha- is a neuroscientist, um, and but has actually um, he claims to have CTE as a result of being hit in the head. So James and I are quite interested in this territory and mm. trying to help out. I'm on the NRL's committee on concussion protocols, so we meet. In fact, I'm going to see Wayne Pierce after this. Wayne's a chair of that. Uh, trying to make sure we can build pro- good protocols for concussion in Australia. Yeah. I stopped boxing because I went and saw Rowena Mobs, the Dr. Mobs, yep. and uh, we did a whole lot of testing. And, you know, there seems to be some sort of um, uh, some sort of um, damage that I've uh, uh, that I've incurred. Uh, really? incurred like, but it's not from getting knocked out. It's just from getting hit a lot. Yes. Yep. Small yep. hits. And we worked out that over a period of time, how many times have pro- I've probably been hit in the head? It's just sparring. Mm. You know, if you do five rounds, four days a week, um, and each round that you get on, on average you get hit once, and you do it over 30 years, mm. we worked as well. I've been hit about 20,000 times Jeez. And in the head. So wow. so I stopped as a result of that. Yeah, And right. now I just do jiu-jitsu. Um, and do you enjoy that? It's one of those things I'm always like, I would like to do it. It seems like it's good fun, although like quite grueling or like quite tough. It's great. Yeah. It, it's, I don't do it. Look, I'm the worst at this MMA gym at jiu-jitsu. I'm, I'm the lowest person, maybe not lowest anymore, but one of the lowest. I've been doing it for a few years now. Um, but everybody's very good and you can – think good thing about jiu-jitsu is just tap. Yeah. Start again. <laughs> oh, you got me? You yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. you can start again. And uh, no one's hitting you in the head. I mean, you can get a few, I mean, like, you know, injuries. Like I was wrestling with one bloke one day and – we tore, I, unfortunately, he, he had his leg caught in my leg sort of thing and his kneecap flipped out. Oh. Um, that, that can happen. Yeah. But generally speaking, I tap before I get to that point. I don't press. Yeah, you're not press. letting you dislocate your knee. No, I'm not going to do any dislocate anything. Not in that um, racket anymore, mate. <laughs> yeah. But it's really good because it makes you think. Yeah. See, for me, what I love about it the most, and I've got a great trainer, he's Larry Papadopoulos. He's a, the wrestling coach. Well, not really the wrestling, yeah. Wrestling jiu-jitsu coach of the Roosters has been for a long time like a superstar, well-known globally when it comes to, around the world, when it comes to MMA and kickboxing. Um, and uh, But a really quiet guy. And he's just so good like uh, for me to train with. I, I just love training with But what's really good about it is someone gets me into position and it makes me think, okay, I'm in this position. 
don't panic. Don't let the sympathetic nervous system take over. Uh, control that. Control your cortisol and all that sort of stuff. And just now think about how do I get out of that position? What's my next move? And I don't always get it right. Mostly I get it wrong, but still I'm going through this process, cognitive process, and then, then I've got to make my body do it. Mm. And as you get older, you realise, you know, something, you, you know, you've got to do some, you've got to move a certain way and it requires your abs to move or something like that. And, yep. Or you've got to use your glutes or something. Um, so I find it really important and it's the sort of thing I could do, you know, touch wood, it's the sort of thing I could do till I'm 90. Yeah. Because right. you're always learning and uh, yeah. I, I love it. I just love it. I just, it's so good. Uh yeah, but it's hard. You are listening to All Talk with Tom and Andrew from the Hello Sport podcast, coming to you on the SEN airwaves, and we are joined by the one and only Mark Boris. Now, Mark, do you see anyone? Do you get anyone that's like, I'm going to choke out Mark Boris? Like, do, you, do people <laughs> nah, sort of come at you? But, like, but, oh, but, but the guys from the two to go to the same gym. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh so that's I know Archie. He, he always sends us photos of him sweaty as hell. Yeah, that Archie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he and likes uh, to send in sweaty photos. Yeah, he, so he, 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 he does a bit of boxing there. Like yeah. uh, he just went to Thailand and did like a Muay Thai camp. Did he? Yeah. yeah, I think he's pretty full on. Yeah, uh, he's pretty full on for this sort of stuff. Yeah, like uh, for the fight camp, I don't see him on the mats, but I see him in the ring all the time. Yeah, um, and uh, and he's been gloating about his Paramount Plus show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah. He said, "Did you see episode about the Paramount rights? Renewed for a second." Yes, dude. Yes, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but good on him. Um, but but he, you know he he has a crack at it. Uh, it's, it's, so you get to meet lots of different people. But yeah. no one's really tried to choke me out yet because, I mean, there was one guy there who's a purple belt. He's he, you know he's really good and purple pretty. You got to be there for ten years to become purple belt and uh, li- around that type of territory. He's a young guy, youngish guy, I should say, compared to me. I'm definitely the oldest in the gym, and uh, my God, like he's not very heavy. Be maybe seventy five kilos. Dude, like, he just drag dolls me. Like, <laughs> this, I'm nothing. Like, and like, oh, okay, okay let me out. Let me out of here. You know, I feel like the blood's getting stuck in my brain. Like, it's not flowing to my rest of my body because yeah. it's choking. <laughs> and uh, I remember when I first started, I thought, I said to him, I said, you know, after we finished, I said, look, would you want to step in the ring with me now? Because we'll do some boxing. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, right. You know, like uh, this guy won't be out of box for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but 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 problem is, problem is, you get one shot, and if you miss, they come in, they take you down. Yeah, and then, then you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally got nothing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very humbling. Yes, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I, it looks humbling. Yeah, it I'd be humbled by it. So, were you like, were you fighting? Were you a fight, fighting inclined or like a fighter's mentality when you were younger? Like, what's and is there like an alignment with business now? So like, what because you came up in you're from Punchbowl, right? Yeah, growing punch up, yep. So, was that sort of the mentality having a fight when you were younger? Uh, or? Yeah, yes and no. Um, uh, you had to learn to fight, like where I went to school, like that was and play footy. Um, like it was a very physical environment. Um, in that, if you didn't, you'd probably get bullied right. pretty bad. I never got bullied, but you'd probably get bullied. Um, and you know, obviously, discussions about bullying wasn't a thing at the time. Like you know, you got bullied bad, bad luck. Mm-hmm. Suck it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you either had to respond or get bullied, one of the two. Um, and and I think I was lucky that I had a group of mates that were were more sporty, and as a result of that, everybody sort of pretty much could handle themselves. Uh, I had, and you know, not, not as like you know, we weren't like. Um, Bogdanovsky or something like that. Like we, you know, we, but we get we, we'd be able to stand up. Yep. Um, that was a thing growing up. Uh, but today the world's changed. Um, I, I'm I fight for what I believe in. 
I have a saying for my, my sons, and one of my sons got a tattoo on his arm, actually. So I, I say um, work, play. So this is my motto. Work, because work's important for your mind, I think. Play, because you've got to give yourself a rest. Mm. You know, you must have a rest. And rest for me is play. Um, fight. Fight for what you really believe in. Love what's worth loving. And I don't mean that in a hoochie-coochie sort of <laughs> I mean uh, be passionate about love is passionate for me. Be passionate about what you really believe in and then finally believe. Believe in something. So that's my motto. Work, play, fight, love, believe. And that's something I developed over my whole life, that, that saying. And when I, I used to travel a lot, I, I mean I had a business in India for, for years and I used to gather every six weeks and um, I used to – send that on a text to my boys as I got on the plane just before the plane's about to take off mm. just to remind them that's what I'm trying to do that's how I'm trying to live my life mm. um, because I didn't see them a lot and uh, I just wanted to at least let them know that I had a, a motto why I was doing what I was doing Yeah. You know, so it didn't look like I was just trying to do it to make money or I didn't care about them Yep. when, yep. when I needed to be there sometimes and I wasn't um, so yeah because that, we they grew up in separate, separate houses like um, they mostly spent their time with me you know, but nonetheless, it was a tough for him. So, and, and even worse, that I was hardly ever there. Mm. I always had housekeepers looking after him and stuff like nannies. Um, so I developed that on purpose for myself and for them. You're listening to All Talk with Hello Sport on SEN. Today we are talking with the incomparable Mark Boris. Now, Mark, do you think that sort of sort of mindset ha- goes hand in hand with your entrepreneurial spirit? Like, where did that come from? Because... Tom and I sort of we've run we've got this business there. I've run a couple of businesses in the past. It's very addictive once you start, at least in my opinion. Have were you always that way inclined, or did you just fall into it through sort of happens chance? Yeah, I'm I'm um, obsessive sort of person. Yeah. So and I'm on a mission, so I believe in it. Like, like Yellow Big Road, I believe in people should be able to get home loans and not have to grovel for one. Um, I, I reckon every Australian deserves to have a roof over the head somehow. Um, so my big deal is. Uh, once I believe in something like that, I become obsessed about it. Obsessed about the belief, and I don't know whether it's me talking myself into the thing I believe in, and justifying why I believe in the first place. I don't know the answer to that question, but I've always been that person. So I, I'm not. I mean, I, I I love entrepreneurialism for the nation. I, I think it's a great thing for the the nation. It's great to have entrepreneurial spirit spirit. But that's not what drives me. What drives me is the thing I'm doing that I believe in it, and I, then I become obsessed about making it happen. So, uh, and I, I, I'm, I have a big fear of failing. I, I get nervous about things like that, um, even today. Um, even at, I'm 60, my next birthday I'm 68, right? So I, th- I think, I'm like, why the hell are you fucking worried about it? Like, don't, you've done enough. You don't have to prove, any, prove anything to anybody. But I just get nervous about well, what happens if I, I don't succeed or something yeah. happens, something changes. Mm. And, and it actually gets me, mm. gets to me mm. in my gut, yeah. in my stomach. I yeah. can feel it. Is that so? Is that like even when things are going well? I find sometimes I do this, and obviously we're in a significantly different level, you and I, Mark. But well, yeah, but you're a young guy like yeah. compared to me. When I was your age, no, we're not at different levels. But so, but but did you still have that feeling? Where so like when things are going well, I'm still always like, let's make sure it doesn't go bad though. Like yeah. you know, like that's the sort of thing. Sort of like don't want it, it to it, end or we'll stop. We'll go backwards. Well, it's it is it's not quite imposter syndrome, you know, where I feel mm. as though I don't deserve it. But I sort of have this view that. 
why do I deserve to be successful any more than anybody else? In mm. like, like I'm not special. Um, my kids think I'm special. Special, Dad, you're a bit special, <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm but I'm actually not special. Like, and uh, in my mind, mm. so but particularly other people see me that way, and uh, that that doesn't bother me. But it sort of does confuse me. I understand how people benchmark everybody. I get all that, but people don't know me. I'm not. I'm actually not special. Mm. I've, I've been lucky. Um, I take opportunities, um, but I do obsess about not making a mistake. Mm. I don't want to anything up. Yep. I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to leave that as my legacy. And Is there anything there, sorry to interrupt you, but that you have f***ed up? Like, is, there any, is that rooted in anything or is it just the general sense of not wanting to f*** up? Like, is there something that's happened where you're like, oh, I don't want to feel this again? Well, I was lucky. I worked when I was 25 or 26. I worked in a law firm until I was about early 30s. And I, we had like <laughs> the top of the town when it came to entre- entrepreneurial clients like Alan Bond, all sorts of, all those names, okay? And I don't think of all those famous people at the time, not one of them, apart from the fact that a lot of them passed away, but like none of them really lasted very long. And I saw a lot of, pe- lot of those great entrepreneurs who were great entrepreneurs, great visionaries, um, lose their legacy over short periods of time so it didn't cost me anything i learned unbelievably um important lessons and uh that stood by me and uh i'll I'll never forget some of the disasters that we were involved in as a firm trying to rescue people going to prison because of it you know like you know like corporate not crime but like corporate malfeasance you know Mm -hmm. these sorts of things and uh usually driven by desperation to make sure they can hold the thing that they've developed or they've envisioned or, or, or created yep. just out of desperation yep. and not knowing what to do. Um, not many of them were quite really evil, sinister people, but some did go to jail. Some um, just died, you know, through illness. And I'm always a firm believer like that a lot of the diseases get caused by putting yourself in extraordinarily stressful situations mm. when shit's going down. Yeah. So I saw a lot of that. Not never really happened to me personally. Lucky because I saw it. But when you're, what what are you seeing specifically? Is like, is there is there something? Is there a general trend or a decision that's made that puts these companies in bad positions? That whereby they have to make uh, decisions out of desperation? Is it greed that gets them to a, a tipping point? It's definitely greed. Yeah. Um, I think um, naivety. Um, naivety as to how markets react or people react. It's also partly not having, not relying on history. So don't think you're better than history. You know, these shit happens to everybody. Markets turn, markets changed. There's change, there's cycles. And you don't control any of that. Some of these people, unfortunately, they egos get so big that they think they can change the course of history. And for me, history just repeats itself over and over and over again. And for those people who don't, um, aren't prepared to take notice of what history has done in the past, then you're heading for a problem. Ego is a big part of it. And I, I mean, everyone's got an ego, but I don't really have an ego. Um, I'm not doing it for any particular reason. I'm not doing it because I want to be better than anybody else or I want to have a shiny car. I mean, I drive a Toyota. I mean, mm. I, I don't care. Yeah. You do. I've seen it. Yeah, you've seen it. Right. He'll be parked <laughs> <this> not <laughs> yeah, But, I, but I, I, I don't care. But now, 
I have been through periods where I, to me, status was important because I never had any status. Mm. I had zero status. Growing up where I grew up, I'm going to school, where I went to school, I had no status. For, for a fleeting moment, I, for a period, short period of my life, it was a big deal. But also I had people in my family who would slap me down, not literally, but slap me down, put me back in my place. And my, my mother's Irish roots, like, you know, don't have tickets on yourself, Mark, because if you stand in the wind, they'll all blow off, you know, <laughs> that, that type of stuff. Yeah. You know, because things change. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, I got brought up in that environment. Don't, don't think you're better than anybody else. And then I saw other people, as I said, I witnessed other people, their egos get ahead of them. And, uh, and, and by the way, egos, you know, like uh, as Shirley says, ego is not a dirty word, you know, out of the skyhooks. It's not a dirty word. Mm. Um, we all have it. It's a matter of knowing when to use it, not use it. And, um, you know, over time I've worked that stuff out just through observation. Mm. I, mean, I was lucky. I was in, put in positions where I could observe other people's downfall and re- sort of reflect on it over time, over long periods of time, to make sure I don't make the same mistake. So you're working with a law firm. When do you then go and try start? Is Wizard the, the next thing you do outside, or the first thing you do outside of the law firm? Uh, pretty much. I, it was probably about two years out, out of that. Um, you know, when I was 31 or two, um, I had a son to, to a previous wife, a former wife. I had another son, um, Alex, to then my current wife. And within 18 months, she was pregnant again with, with Nick. So I had... Shout out to Nick. Shout out to Nick. Friend of the show. I know Nick. Friend of the show. And uh, so I had three, three kids um, and... I'd just left the law firm and um, I was at a pretty low place in my life because I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I'd always worked in structured environments. You know, law firm, clients come in, you charge per six minutes, you get paid the bill, you get paid your fee, blah, blah, blah. Next client, you know, that's how it worked. And, that, and I've been doing that for years. And um, I now went into this world where I had to fend for myself and, uh, and I'd never been in business for myself. So I had to think about what I was going to do. And um, I, I, you know, like I, during that period, you know, I had kids I had to feed, ex-wife I had to pay maintenance to, I had to look after my son, who at the time was living in France, my oldest boy, um, and you know there was money transfer. Like it was just a nightmare for me to be honest. With you. Like and when I think back, I probably was depressed, but, but not clinical, but just down. And uh, yeah, just trying to get my life together was uh, really hard. And the wizard opportunity came up, uh, so I. I've just met these, these uh, one, two, three. There was three guys, um, who uh, four guys, I should say, who had a mortgage broking business, mm. and uh, and it was called Mortgage Acceptance Corporation or something like that. I don't know what it was called, something like that. Um, and uh, they had an office in North Sydney, and I needed some funding for a property that I wanted to develop along with my another bloke, because I was trying different things, and uh, we couldn't get the finance. I couldn't borrow any money and um, we had to settle on this property and these guys come along and did the deal for me and I thought, wow, that was pretty cool. <laughs> How good was that? It looked like it was really easy. <laughs> and John Simons had just kicked off, Aussie, and I said, and I knew John quite well, still do, and um, I thought, I wonder if these guys could do what John's just done. So I went to them and I said, why don't we try and do it? Um, let's have a crack at this. I, I, I have a master's degree as well in um, capital markets so I understood how the back end worked, right. the, the funding side of things, yep. quite well. And uh, and I always specialise in banking 
anyway in all my professional career. Um, so I knew pretty much the, the processes. So, um, yeah, I, these guys here, yeah, okay. So uh, I bought in, I sold my house. Shit. <laughs> With wow. three kids. Yeah. 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 And uh, <laughs> took the equity and bought in and funded this little business. Mm. Changed the name to Wizard and uh, funded this little business. I mean, today, if you are knowing what I know t- today, I probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> But then I was a bit more fearless, and uh, but I'll probably a bit more not desperate, but I had to do something. Do you think there's an element of that that you need to like, not necessarily need to, I guess, but in a lot of things when you want to have a crack at something, it's sort of like you got to jump off the cliff a little bit. Yeah, totally. You got to yeah. put, you, yeah, and sometimes you need to be, even be pushed mm. um, and see if you can sort of fly a bit, you know, like because uh, I wouldn't do it today because I'm more defensive today. Like I've, I've got more things to lose, so I probably wouldn't do it, um, and I've got less time to make it up. But then I, I do remember thinking to myself, well, just if the whole thing turns to shit, you go back to work and yep. just go back to what you used to do. Mm. Yep. And six minutes, charge outs, you know, like I didn't really want to do that, but like I could if I needed to. Uh, and uh, I, I, you know, selling my house at the time, my God, and uh, taking the equity out, and I didn't have much. It wasn't like, a, <laughs> it wasn't millions. It was, it was like less than half that. Um, and most of went to this. Most of it, most of the money I got from the proceeds of the sale, the net proceeds of the sale after paying my mortgage back, went into um, paying for the state of origin sponsorship. Right. So that was your big. That was your big one. Two hundred fifty grand, of per, the, per year. Yep, yeah, was and I had to draw a check. Like literally that day, wow. I, the state of origin opportunity came up five days before they were playing on the Wednesday night. What year what, was the first year you started sponsoring? Shit, was it ninety eight? It's it's actually though like. For me, one of the most memorable sponsorships sort of in Australian sport, and I mean, maybe Joey 05 or whenever it was, has th- a lot to do with that. But like... I think, yeah, I think Joey... Front of the, it, was a, it was a great one, right? Like, Ten you years. look back on that as going like, that was a great investment. Well, well, it's... It, and like, but I had to talk to my, my wife at the time about it, like, because, um, you know, I, I might have... I don't mind saying, I might have had 450 grand net out of the sale of my property after I paid the mortgage. And uh, we were renting a house from that point on, mm. and um, two hundred fifty grand out of that four hundred was went straight one check mm. straight to New South Wales Rugby League, and uh, it was a big bet. Yeah, and I and uh, and I said, look, I reckon this will this will elevate the Wizard um, brand better than anything else I could do. Um, and uh, <laughs> like I mean, David Gingell sort of was helped me out. Like so, Ginge was really good on that in that regard. And um, you know, I had the backing. Well, I, at that stage, I didn't have the backing of the Packers. They had, they weren't investors in '98. They become investors in '99. But in '98, Ginger was my mate, and he was sort of helped me out. Mm. And uh, and I had and, and people like Nick Politis and Colin Love, who was a, a chairman of the NRA, of the New South Wales Rugby League. I had a lot of sort of people I knew. Were these all relationships you've developed through your being a lawyer? Like, is nah, sort of, no, no. Just... Colin Love was a lawyer, but um, I knew. I can't remember how I knew Colin. Back in those days, but it's quite heavy hitters that you yeah, served, yeah. you know. Like, well, Plytus, um, um, I met through Ginjal. Um, Ginjal was a mate of mine from just around these suburbs. Okay, yeah. right. you know, what was Ginjal's read back then on on how to place Wizard in the well, marketplace? He, he, it's about he he used to say it was about help. Yep. So, and if you remember the NRMA, then come up with that. They still have it that that their help logo. Yep. You know, it's, yeah, another one. Yeah, it's really important. You know, borrowers just want help. He said, mate, they don't care about the interest rate. They just want someone to go and help them get – because it's about getting that property. 
How do I get that joint? Mm. Can you help me? Mm. Are you willing to help me? And bear in mind at the time, that this is the dot-com boom, the tech boom. So banks were closing branches down left, right and centre. Like if you think they're closing branches down a lot now, they were closing them down at a far greater pace then. Really? Yeah, because, um, because they all thought that borrowers are going to borrow online. And what's the point of having a branch? Mm. Like, and it started in 98, 99, that period. And David said, you know, Mark, people actually still want help. It's the biggest thing they buy in their life, most people, the house. Mm. Yeah. It's the biggest transaction you do financially. And uh, so he said, why don't we open up branches when banks are closing them? So what we stood for is banks closing, we're opening. Right. And uh, we just had to work out a way that it wasn't too many overheads. It didn't cost too much. So I come up with this idea of franchising people. And um, so the branch owner was a branch owner and they had their own branch and they paid the bills. We supplied the marketing and we supplied the, the funding. The, what I mean by the funding, the product. Yes. The loan. Mm. And, uh, and the branding and all the back end. They just paid the, they paid the rent, they filled the, the branch up and they went and found the client or dealt with the client and they gave them help. Like real people talking about what you really want, actually sitting down with you, looking to you in the eyes and say, yeah. okay, what, what is it you're trying to do here, mate? Uh, we're buying. Oh, that's interesting. We just had a person down the road buy one in there. Yeah. Bank managers didn't even exist and if they did, they weren't that interested. Mm. So our game was to show you that we're actually interested in talking yeah. to you and we actually want to help you. A personal touch. That was Ginjal's call. You are listening to SEN and this is All Talk with Tom and Eddie from the Hello Sport podcast. We are having a yarn with the one and only Mark Boris. Now, I mean, it clearly worked, right? Like, when did the idea of the sale sort of of, of wizard come about? Well, a couple other- it, it was uh, sort of like Kerry because uh, we were partners. Um, he owned, we own half each of the business. And um, like at that stage, I remember having a meeting with him one day. He said to me, uh, son, um, how much money do we owe in wizard? I said, oh... $19 billion. <laughs> he went white. And I said, but don't worry. I said, we've got $19 billion worth of assets. He said, I couldn't give a stuff about the assets. He said, $19 billion of the borrowing. I said, yeah, but they're matched. They're, well, that was my job to keep, you know, like in a treasury sense, like uh, that was my game is matching things and making sure that the assets match the liabilities and that um, as the liabilities became due, in other words, we have to pay our liabilities with the money because we went to markets around the world. Mm. Um, in those days, raising money. And people talk about raising money. I raised $19 billion worth of money Jesus. in 2000, from, uh, nine, from 2000 to 2004. He said, look, Mark, he never called me Mark. He called me other names, but never Mark. And uh, he said, $19 billion, he said, like if something goes wrong, he said, I can't afford that. He said, we'll be stuffed. And I said, but the assets, everything's matched. And I said, we've got, hedge, we've got hedged in contracts with everything. So I've hedged every single thing. I book match everything. Everything's book matched. And he said, yeah, but who's book matched? Who's, who's, uh, who are the hedge funds? Who's, sorry, who are the banks who are hedging these contracts? And I told him who they were. I won't say their names now, but they were big banks. And he said, how do you know they're going to be good for it? I said, Gary, come on. Like, you know, the biggest banks in the world, some of these organizations. He said, but what happens if we have some sort of financial crisis? This is in 2004. Jesus Ooh. Christ. I said, oh, it's not going to happen. You know, like, uh, are you kidding me? Like, I mean, this is the, where the wisdom. What a, what a visionary. Yeah, yeah mate, that's wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Fully wisdom, right? Yeah, that's yeah. unbelievable. And uh, he said, you know what, son? He said, might be time we consider offloading this, you know? And we'd had a, a property boom 
in Australia uh, around that period or just before that period. And he said, probably the best time now is because the property market might drop off a little bit. And I wasn't not a person who cared about selling so much. It never came to me. Um, you know, I was just happy to keep building it. And uh, so we, I put it to one of the – we had a – we. it's complicated, but we had this – we had to insure every mortgage so that it, it was less risk when we would come to selling the mortgage bonds overseas every six weeks. The organisation we used to insure the, the pools of mortgages, and we're talking about, you know, a billion dollars at a time, was a, a mob called General Electric. They owned a business here in Australia called, called Gemico. And it was a big, one of the biggest mortgage insurers. And um, so I went and saw them and I said, look, we're your biggest client in Australia. You're interested in buying us. Um, and they said, yeah, we are. And I didn't really know much about General Electric. I mean, I, did, I, mean, I knew that Thomas Edison established General Electric in the 1850s. It's about all I knew. Mm. But I knew they were a big joint. And, uh, but I didn't realise that they were a very acquisitive place. They bought lots of stuff. And... Um, Seven months later, we sold out. We sold to them seven months later. So was it, any, was it at any point close to falling over the deal? Um, well, yeah, it's funny. The, 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 every deal I've ever done always comes down to two or three things that are outstanding. And they're usually conditions they want or warranties that they're looking for for you to you know, guarantee something. And they're a big organisation. I didn't realise at the time, but they were the world's largest company they were, <laughs> Their market capitalisation on the Dow Jones Index was greater than every company in Australia on the Australian Stock Exchange added up together. Wow. wow. Okay. So huge. Huge. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and they were meeting on a, on a certain day. So on a, let's say it was a, a Friday morning, they were meeting, to ratify the acquisition. But if it wasn't solved, they were going to walk. So – and there's three things outstanding. And uh, so – our, my brother and the law firm that we were using, a small law firm, and I'll shout out, a little firm called Lander & Co, um, um, hosted a meeting with the guys from General Electric and their law firm. So they had one law firm in the morning and they bought a second law firm in the night. They had two massive law firms, right? And they there were 10 of them. And they hosted in a boardroom and we sat and talked about these three matters. And it got into a shouting match like literally shouting match. My brother's standing over the table yelling and screaming at people. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, these – so the boss of General Electric in Australia was in the meeting. And he said, Mark, he said, uh, the board's meeting in seven hours. This is like seven o'clock at night, seven hours' time. And they're, they're going to walk if we don't, we don't resolve these things. He said, so what I thought – he said to me, what I thought we'd do is, is I'm going to get my boss, who was the chairman of General Electric – Globally, right, to ring Kerry Packer to resolve these issues. I thought one on one, this is bad, <laughs> and Kerry that's bad, right? Like you don't want to, in, you don't want to, I don't to be involved. No, I de like definitely don't. And I, but not only that, I don't want Kerry to say he solved it, but equally, I don't want Kerry to blow it either because yes. he's just like so. Go, he, he, Kerry's just like say, I'll flip you for it, <laughs> <laughs> something weird like that, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I thought, oh, but is he bluffing me? I thought that's a big call, you know. The chairman of General Electric ringing Kerry Backer up. Mm. That's a massive call. So I said, uh, "Well, that's okay, mate." There's a big gamble. I said, uh, "I'll get Kerry on the phone now. Let's call your chairman." And he goes over to his lawyers, comes back. 
Look, Mark, can, can we just step outside for a moment? <laughs> outside the room. I said, okay. So we walk in a room and, he's, and there was little lawyer groups in all the offices, all the spare meeting rooms. because There was a ton of lawyers there, right? And accountants. There was no spare room to talk. So we went in. In those days, I don't know if they still have them there, but there was a compactus room. You know, a compactus room. It's a room where you have all the files and there's these sliding filing systems. Yeah, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's a yes. little room, right? A little room with the files in it. So we walked into the compactus room. <laughs> it's like, you know... Three by nine <laughs> wide, right? We're standing in the room, he said, um, look, he said, no need to get Kerry to ring uh, his <laughs> uh, chairman. He said, uh, why don't we resolve the three issues just between you? He said, I'll give him one and you give him one and we'll resolve the third one. He said, so I said, well, okay, which one do you want to give him? He said, I'll give him, he said, I'll give him number one condition. I said, okay, I'll give him number two. And then number three, we around and in the end we sort of split it down the middle and resolved it. Like, like that. So I thought, oh, perfect. So we came out, all issues resolved, deal's done, I signed, they signed, their board met, ratified the deal. We had a pref- – they wanted to do a pref- press conference 9am in the morning. So I, just, I stayed up the whole night just because a bit of shit to do during the night. We are up the whole night. Um, about 7 o'clock in the morning I decided to go to have an exercise because I knew I had to do a press release at 9. I thought, oh, shit, I look like shit. I feel tired. I go and train. Yep. And it might buff me up a little bit and feel a bit yeah. better. <laughs> so I go into the Do car the park at the gym. I thought, I better ring Kerry. So I ring him up and I tell him what happened about them saying they're going to get their chairman to talk to him. And I think it was very funny. I said, the deal's done. And he said, good on your son. And uh, then I told him the whole story about how I was going to put him on. And I said, but I bluffed him, you know. Mm. And it was dead f-ing silence. I said, you there? He said, listen, you f- Greek something. <laughs> he said, if, and you know, his share of the deal was about 120 million. He said, don't you ever gamble my $120 million ever again? I said, oh, I can't wait, can't carry one. He said, well, if that guy had said, yeah, let's put them on together. He said, I'm in hospital. He said, I've just had an operation. He said, last night I wouldn't have been in any condition to talk to anybody. And he said, you didn't even bother inquiring what, what my condition was, whether I could talk. And he hung up on me. <laughs> that was it. He hung up on me. <laughs> so, I, yes, I nearly lost a deal and I, uh, I could have completely lost my partner too. If Far I, out. Uh, he just hung up on me. He didn't say, well done, congratulations. I'm really happy for both of us, all of us, whatever. Yeah. That's uh, wild. And this is all talk. We're Hello Sport. And today we are talking with Mark Boris. I imagine relief. Are you like stoked though? Like, I mean, what's that feeling like when you've just sort of gone, wow, like, did you have to go and just like lay in a dark room? Uh, yeah, well, about, uh, so we settled about two weeks later. I had to go to New York to do the settlement because they, they, they were based in New York. Booked in a fancy hotel that I never been, would not normally stay at. I booked in the Four Seasons. The deal wasn't had to settle in Australian time as well, so it was like 11.30 at night. I had to go to their lawyer's office uptown somewhere. I walked up there. New York was pretty quiet. I can't remember what night of the week it was. It was just the middle, middle of the week. Um, I got, you know, got it all done. You know, I got a piece of paper confirming, you know, my share and also share. I walked back to the hotel. Um, I, I, I got a beer out of the fridge and I rang the concierge, ordered a pizza. And sat there on my own, and I thought, "What the f-? like?" Uh, to be honest, with you, it was it was a relief, um, but it was total anticlimax. Mm. It wasn't really? wasn't really about wasn't really. It took me a long time to work out what I'd done, um, and and it t- you know, better way it put me a long time to work out what was important in relation to what I'd done, and it wasn't 
the check. It wasn't beating or, or you know doing a deal with General Electric. It was probably more, to be honest, it was more about how I'd built the business. All of us had built the business, not just me, how everybody had built the business and all our interactions and all the good times we've been through, all the shit times we've been through, all the sweat, all the drama, all the stress. The You know, I lost a marriage over it. Like, it's all those things. And, um, yeah, it was and, – and I, and I felt a sense of uh, loss as well because um, I now no longer own this thing yeah. that I loved. You know, that was my thing. Um, I mean, they kept me on for a long time anyway. Um, yeah, I, it was uh, it was a numbness. Yeah. I can actually kind of understand that, especially because there's not like your f- popping streamers and everything. So it's like – and being by yourself. By yourself. I was sitting there by myself. By yeah. yourself, not yeah. being able to go and celebrate. Yeah. yeah. But, I, but I probably wouldn't have – I mean, I probably wouldn't – I mean, you, th- you would think, I would think at the time, mm. that I'm only going to go mad. Yes, that's yeah. what I would think. Yeah. You know, I was sort of on my own. Like not married or anything like that, you know. You might think, you know, I'll just make a few phone calls, fill the room up, but <laughs> but I but I didn't. You know, I actually had no no interest in that. I was probably exhausted too. We've got a we've got a, a thing that we like a, a routine or a ritual that we like when we celebrate milestones. We like to get a, uh, a, a what is it like a five dollar Woolies mud cake <laughs> and a bottle of Verve, and then we sit there and we pound mud cake and. Have Verve. Not big Verve drinkers either. No, 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 not big Verve guys, but that seems like a funny sort of match, right? The Woolies mud cake with a bottle of With some of Verve. Verve. So if you have a, with your next great success, I highly... Uh, well, for me, it you. wasn't, uh, it wasn't a milestone. It was the end. Mm. Mm. That's true. It's different. Yeah. It is different. That's true. It's the end. It was the end. And, uh, yeah, and I, I, I had things to do, but... I didn't know what to do, if you know what I mean. It was yeah. uh, the thing that kept me awake every night, the thing that I couldn't wait to get out of bed to do in the morning, the thing that completely occupied my mind every day, seven days a week, for years. Yeah. All of a sudden was sort of over. Mm. I, I was thankful, don't get me wrong. I'm very gr- grateful for what happened and how I did well and all that sort of stuff. we got to get all that. <clears throat> but, you know, like everyone goes, oh, well, you did all, made all this money. Yeah, but that's on one day. I mean, that, that's not a mark of success. That's just a measure on the particular day. Yep. It could change the next day. You know, like, it depends what you invest, reinvest the money in. There's a, ho- there's a whole series of things happen after that. Mm. Like, uh, you know, you get divorced. Mm. You give some of it away. Like, you pay your tax. Give, give a lot of it away. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole lot of other markers that determine how good you feel about it. Yeah. So, but, but on that day, that's how I felt. That's that interesting. Night. Look, it was great to chat. We could have... We could have kept yarning, but uh, thank you very much for coming in. You're most welcome, guys. Um, thank you for having us on yours as well. We really appreciated it, and uh, I guess we'll we'll see you around. Well, I, I, I want to say to you guys, like, I'll be honest with you, like, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, okay? You two guys and your team, clearly there's a team involved, you do, a, in your category, you do a brilliant job. Thank you. You really do. Thanks, man. You have a lot of rusted-on followers mm. and audience and supporters and fans, the way you've picked footy as your go-to and the way you run your show, like the casualness of it, which mm. is not casual. Actually, it's very purposeful. Mm. I know you know what you're doing. You're both well-credentialed. Um, I think there is very few shows I listen to. I mean, I, I have to say, I'm going to give him a shout-out, but I listen to Dan and too. Absolutely. Of course. No, no. He's a gun. But there's very sh- few shows I listen to or watch or even follow. But you guys are in the category. Well, mate, That's very cool. Very yeah, kind words. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks, mate. So, uh, uh, and I don't go on many podcasts. 
Yes, we only when they're the important. Mm. So important to me. So, and I come with this because I actually wanted to share the room with you guys. So it's cool. Awesome, thank you, mate. mate we've had a great it. time. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, Go, manly seagulls. Go manly seagulls. Go manly.